Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. <laughs> All right, thanks, Connell. Hello, and welcome to the Hill here on News Nation. It is perhaps the most buttoned-up part of our government, the U.S. military. But now the Pentagon and the White House are being dressed down. The defense secretary off the job for days, and the president had no clue. Coming up, what both are saying today as Lloyd Austin continues to recover in the hospital. Plus, what is Washington going to do about the Boeing 737 MAX 9 after a door flew off mid-flight? We'll speak with a father whose daughter died in a 2019 Boeing crash about what he is asking of Congress. And explosive allegations involving Donald Trump and Bill Clinton. The latest batch of Jeffrey Epstein documents are out. Here we go. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Chris Steyerwall, News Nation political editor and senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, Scott Bolden, the former D.C. Democratic Party chairman and a Democratic analyst, Julia Manchester, of course, national political reporter for The Hill, and Hogan Gidley, former Trump White House deputy press secretary. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. Decked in maize and blue indeed on this fine, fine Monday. But let's start here with a live look at Capitol Hill. As we learned over the weekend that President Biden will give his State of the Union address on March 7th. Now, when that happens, a designated survivor will be chosen. The concept, keep one cabinet member behind in case the unimaginable occurs. We have thought about that. What if? But apparently we have not thought about this. What happens if the head of our military is off the job? And no one, I mean no one, knows about it. It's basically what happened. We now know the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was taken by an ambulance into the intensive care unit on New Year's Day. Here's part of the timeline. However, the White House was not informed until January 4th, and congressional leaders not informed until the following day. Today, the White House, as you might imagine, was asked about this from every angle. They are standing behind Lloyd Austin. Hello to you all. Uh, this is a story, my gosh, over the weekend when you saw it, it was like a double take, Chris. What? What happens? And, and for the White House and for the, the Pentagon, there is a lot of explaining to do here. Uh, we should remember not to overstate how important the Secretary of Defense is. Yep. The Secretary of Defense thinks of himself as very important always, whomever it is, but the position is not that important. Um, but it is chaotic. It is disordered. It is uh, uh, foolish. And whatever Lloyd Austin thought that he was gaining by being secretive about this because he didn't want to talk about whatever infirmity he had, uh, what an embarrassment for the president, 
while the president is talking about his uh, that he is businesslike and he can do things and the good order yep. and it's not like the chaos of the Trump <clears throat> days. Uh, just uh, uh, to, to steal your term, Counselor, mm-hmm. an unforced error. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the, here, here was an op-ed headline in, in USA Today. Lloyd Austin hospitalized and Biden is clueless. So much for the adults being back in charge, Hogan. Absolutely. And I would disagree slightly in the fact that I do believe the secretary of defense is quite important, having worked in a White House and dealt with the secretary of defense. What they have to focus on every day is not just here at home what we have, but also abroad. And it's not like the world is all at peace. We've got wars all over the place, and we have American troops in harm's way as well. First things first, understand the Situation Room, which is a very serious place inside the White House, keeps tabs on certain people all of the time. One of those people is the Secretary of Defense. They were tracking him at home. They thought he was at home. He wasn't. He was in the hospital. This is a dangerous situation. Secondly, with him out and Kathleen Hicks, the number two, not notified either, there's no nuclear capabilities connectivity Hmm. with the Secretary of Defense either. Also a serious problem. And third, and this is more political, I would say, but also it's reality, and that is what you have done now with trustworthiness, what you have done now as an administration is you have basically lost the confidence of the President of the United States, the military, and most assuredly, the American people, because the people on the ground get their, get their information, get their uh, orders from the Secretary of Defense. With him incapacitated, it's more than, uh, than silly, goofy, and a mess up. It's flat out dangerous. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you defend the president here, Scott? Maybe, can, or can I, I, you? Don't, I don't think so. I think you, it's an embarrassment. If I would have, could have, should have. I agree with you. It just feels very dangerous. At the same time, um, none of the possibilities of disaster occurred, uh, error in judgment, but the president is sticking behind him. I got to believe President Biden knows something that the rest of us don't well, know the, or aren't being. Aren't being um, there's a pre existing relationship there with Bo Biden and, and Lloyd Austin, and yeah. I think there's well, yeah, a, a, but, a confidence. That, that's true, but he's sticking behind him. It's an embarrassment, if you will. But nothing bad happened. You know, thank God. you know the last thing you hear before you get canned in Washington is what that he enjoys the full support <laughs> of the yeah. president. It, Julie, it, it is Julie, <laughs> it is wild. It is wild to me though. It is wild to me that we have this concept of a designated survivor. Right. I mean, it's like a science fiction movie, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that we do this on, uh, you know, for the State of the Union address. But, but we, we don't have any answers for what just happened. Well, and I wonder if there's going to be laws or, or policies that, that come about because of this. Well, one of my first thoughts after, you know, we found out that Lloyd Austin was in the hospital and the president didn't know was, you know, this makes us look so incredibly hmm. weak to our yes. adversaries. Like what were the protocols? Yes. That's, what that's were the, the protocols? And know. this is at a time, you know, last month we heard Christopher Wray uh, testifying before Congress talking about the red lights that were blinking in terms yeah, of potential terror attacks. So we look so weak right now or potentially do. And that's not good for Biden going into 2024. All right. So th- th- this is an issue that I think we can all agree will blow over. Right at some point, there's sure it's they'll they'll be uh, unless other cabinet secretaries um, disappear um, unless, 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 uh, unless they go on walkabout. So, something that's not going to blow over is the southern border, and and this spending deal. Uh, right now, by the way, we are uh, waiting. The DHS secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, is he speaking now, Joe? Uh, let's let's show the live picture if we have it because I believe the DHS secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, is in Eagle Pass, Texas, right now. There he is. Um, as here in Washington, Julia, Democrats and Republicans try to put together some sort of border yeah. package. And as 
some Republicans are threatening maybe a government shutdown because they don't like uh, a, a government spending deal that seems to be hashed out. Right, right. And I think Democrats in particular are under pressure on this. We talk about how Republicans obviously can't have a government shutdown. You know, That'd we saw fine. McCarthy, yes, we saw McCarthy struggle with this. I think Johnson probably is a slightly better um, scenario than McCarthy. It seems like he's I don't want to say still in his honeymoon period, but he enjoys, I think, more support than McCarthy did, has those better relationships. But with the border, Democrats have quite a bit of, um, they're under quite a bit of pressure because we know that Republicans are going to make this a campaign issue up and down the ballot. So you have Hakeem Jeffries who wants to defend, um, you know, his, his, um, caucus there. So going forward, it's, or conference, but Democrats are certainly on the defense. So again, live look, Eagle Pass, Texas, DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas there right now. Chris set the stage for me with, with him speaking at the Southern Board. So the Republicans want to impeach him. Uh, and, and get a deal done. And get a deal done. <laughs> so you, you have this back and forth with Biden. So Biden, on the one hand, has uh, a faction in his party that wants him to aggressively confront uh, House Republicans and go to war. Uh, and there are people, there are Democrats I talked to today who were not happy that Biden came so quickly to terms on the framework of a spending deal. Uh, and they think they ought to push Republicans at the edge because, Julia, well, you are quite right uh, that uh, Johnson is in a better position than Kevin McCarthy. Talk about damning with faint praise. Uh, so uh, it's tough and tight for the Republicans. You have Mayorkas. You have the Hunter Biden contempt uh, measure coming forward later this week. You have Biden's impeachment inquiry and you have all of this coming to it on one side. And on the other side, you have Biden who's trying to get a deal. He wants to get a deal on the spending, but he also wants to put together a Ukraine, Israel and border package to put through. It's very fraught stuff. Hogan, I wonder when you look at Alejandro Mayorkas there at the southern border, you think what? My, my blood boils when I... I, I almost took your I, breath I, away I, there. I can't even say it. This is all his fault. Look, this isn't by accident. Hold on, hold on. This is all Mayorkas' fault? My, the Biden administration, okay. right? It, it's not by accident. It's by design. This is what they want to have happen. They want people flooding into our country, or they would have stopped it, because they can stop it. When you see what it's doing to our local communities with fentanyl killing more people in this country, it's the number one killer of 18 to 45-year-olds. It can all be stopped. These deaths, these robberies, these murders, these homicides, the DUIs, they're all 100% preventable because people who don't, don't have the right to be here shouldn't be here. The administration can fix all of this. They just won't do it because they want them in the country. But it's not because they want that. I, I, I wish you would take that back because I will we're not. all Americans. And, it's obvious. And our policies about catch and release versus housing kids in, in, in cages to take them from their parents or holding these uh, immigrants who have a right to come here legally and give them a path of citizenship, we're not holding them in Mexico. Now, granted, this is what you get when you do catch and release on the Biden policy. They should have been more prepared with more resources and more human human resources. But the fact of the matter is no one, no Democrat or Republican wants fentanyl here, wants terrorism here, doesn't want a safe border. And it's, it's irresponsible for the GOP to say that because you're disagreeing on policy. The results are awful. I agree with you. But you're disagreeing on policy. And you can't get indicted or impeached because our policies aren't working. Well, a lot of the laws that are in place are just ignoring outright anyway. So they're not even enforcing the laws they're supposed to be enforcing. Look, we want the border closed. ignored we, a lot of laws, we, too. We want the border closed. <laughs> we certainly want, got impeached we, over We it. want the border closed. They want it open. It's obvious because you can we fix it right now. We want them to have a pathway 
pathway to citizenship. You don't want those black and brown people coming across the southern Hold border. Hold on one second. You That's don't. This, this isn't a ra- this isn't wanted, a race issue. I didn't say it was it's a race issue. You just said I black said, and brown people coming GOP across the southern border. Doesn't want we them let in across a million people in this country. We let in a million people out. A million people coming to this country legally every year. The GOP has to deal with that. These people are letting in hundreds of thousands per month across the southern border. The Obama administration... Give them a pathway to, to citizenship. Ju- Julia, Chris, jump in here. <laughs> I'm not jumping in okay. anything. But I, but I will say you have here a nice microcosm of why we can't have nice things in the United States of America and why even though 70% of Americans basically agree on immigration. So yeah. we have mm-hmm. broad consensus in the United States on immigration, which is strict enforcement combined with a pathway to citizenship for those uh, who are here illegally and haven't committed other crimes. Real quick. We can't have it. Does the GOP believe in giving those immigrants here illegally a pathway to citizenship? Well, I don't speak, yes for, no. I don't speak for the GOP, but, but I guarantee you. Let, let me ask Congressman Pete Sessions, okay. uh, Republican from Tennessee, joining uh, uh, from Texas, rather, uh, joining us now. Congressman Sessions, thank you for being back here uh, to the Hill on News Nation. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, first time this new year. Happy New Year. As you listen to what, what you just heard there between Hogan Gidley and Scott Bolden, I'll just open it up and turn it to you. Well, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to be said on both sides, and everybody on this channel wants it to be a bipartisan issue of we agree with a whole bunch of things. But here's the bottom line. Sixty-five members of the Republican <clears throat> conference went down last Thursday, Deagle Pass, Texas. I'm a Texan. It's a couple hours south of me. We went. There had been some 3,000 people a day that were coming across for several weeks. It was flooded completely with people, overrun, unsustainable. When we went, the, the cartels shut it down to less than 50. They did not want that to be the national narrative. They wanted us to show up, and it wasn't that way. The same thing is true of this administration, that will show up, and there will be no one there. The bottom line is the people who live there are overrun. They are overrun, and they have said, please quit funding all these migrant centers. When you so what fund are you going to do about like it? A, well, it's real simple. Uh, you can say to people, please do not come, and we're going to ship you back. Remain in Mexico could be for Mexicans or for others, could be the policy. You could send people back. You could say, as has previously been really the law and the way things were done, if you're going to claim some sort of legal status to come in, you've got to do it from another country, the country presumptively where you're from. There, We are now bringing in about 11 million people that would have come in in three years. We okay. cannot handle this. The amount of money that is being spent to take care of these people comes directly out of money that was designed for military you know, veterans. That I, is I, I, where I wanna, they have taken the, the money. I want to ask wrong. you about the money. It's unconscionable. Uh, I want to ask you about money, Congressman, because as, as you know as well, there is a spending deal that seemed to be hashed out uh, over the weekend between Chuck Schumer and Mike Johnson. It struck me, Congressman, uh, that the leader of your party, the Speaker of the House, is touting $16 billion 
in spending reduction. 16 billion, big number, no doubt about it. But when you think about 16 billion, Congressman, we've already added 100 billion to the debt since Christmas in two weeks. It's a trillion dollars added to the debt this fiscal year alone. 16 billion is like the average American saying they just saved a quarter on their cup of coffee. I mean, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket. Isn't, is that a failure, sir, of Republicans? Of, well, look, we, we've now had this majority for one year. Is that a failure to say that when it came down to an agreement to avoid shutting down the government and Mike Johnson agreed with a number, that does not mean in any way that we're going to be able to pass that. That was the agreement where reasonable people, quote, reasonable people tried to get together. It is not the right thing to do. They also added $60 billion just for inflation alone in one year. That's not right, but it is the way the world is turning. And so we have lots of things that we don't need to add to that, and one of them is 11 million undocumented migrants that we say report for citizenship in seven years. It's a joke. Congressman, i got to run, but are you going to vote for it or against it? Well, uh, we haven't seen it yet. Okay. We know what the Fair top enough. line is. We know. Okay. But what, what is the policy that comes with it? So you're asking good questions. I appreciate and respect the debate. All right. Thank you, Congressman. We hope to have you on back soon. Uh, we got to leave it there. Congressman Pete Sessions from the state of Texas. All right. Coming up. Might be cold in the Midwest. Brutally cold, uh, actually. But the campaign trail heating up ahead of the Iowa caucuses. So how does the thing actually work? And what does it mean for the GOP presidential candidate? Steyerwall breaks it down on the other side of the break. And there are some new allegations. The latest documents as it relates to Jeffrey Epstein just dropped. The names Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, the Clinton Foundation are all there. We'll discuss The Hill on News Nation coming back. Stay with us. payroll makes running payroll easy and its u.s-based customer service is there for me when i have questions after hours and even saturdays visit yourpayroll.com switch and get up to six months free and find out what makes us different because small business is our business these are the democratic presidential candidates the other networks don't want you to hear from join news nation for an exclusive presidential forum democratic candidates dean phillips marianne williamson and jank uger friday on dan abrams live All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So one more week to go, one more week for candidates to race across Iowa, one more week until Iowa voters kick off the 2024 election. So what do you need to know about Monday night? Steyerwalt here to break it all down. Chris? Oh, I don't know if I can take the pressure, but yes, uh, let's, let's do that. Let's explain Iowa, which is weird. And I love you, Iowa. I do. Uh, and I'm looking forward to being back. But it's a very weird way to start the presidential selection process for the greatest republic in the history of humankind. Uh, So let's get the basics first. It's not an election. It's a caucus. At 1,670 precincts around the great state of Iowa, from the Missouri River Valley to the Mississippi River Valley, uh, they will hold these gatherings. Some will be very small. 
Some will be large. Some will be in windblown corners of the 99 counties, and some will be in relatively large metropolitan areas. What happens when you get there? Well, first thing, you got to get checked in. Now, who can vote? Who can, who can participate as any registered Republican? But you know what makes it more complicated? You can change your registration that day. Mm-hmm. So that uh, all of these volunteers and all of these 1,670 locations are going to have to first do this sort of election procedural work. Then it begins. What happens? You hear speeches. And the candidates, sometimes the candidates themselves, but usually a designee from the campaign, will go and give a talk about here's why you ought to support so-and-so and here's why you ought not support so-and-so. Then, after all of that is done, can you imagine this? After all of that is done, you then get a blank slip of paper. Most places don't have printed ballots. You get a little blank slip of paper, and then you write the name on there. You write Bolden. You say, I want Bolden, and you write it down. You fold it up. That's a Republican? That's, well, who could, re- <laughs> who could resist you? And then you hand in your slip to a t- a folks sitting at a table, these same volunteers sitting at a table, where they're going to sort those out and count them up. What could go wrong, right? Uh-oh. Uh, in some of these places... You're talking about six or 700 voters. When you're in uh, Polk County, when you're in Metro Des Moines, when you're in Cedar Rapids, when you're in the larger places, some of these places are going to be big. We're going to be up late waiting for this to come in. Now, look at this. Here's the forecast for Iowa uh, on caucus night. Mm. Yeah, don't uh, me. You'll be back in a warm studio here. Uh, I will be. I will be freezing my caucuses off out in the windswept plains of Iowa. You see there, Cedar Rapids, a low of ten below. There's snow in the forecast. So when I say it's weird, I want you to ask yourself a question: What would it take for you to go out on a freezing January night and spend three hours in a school gymnasium? talking with other weird people to do this. This is a very specific subset of the election. One of the things I really love about Iowans is they take this seriously, and they do turn out, and they do go, but you've got to be committed. Who's going to win? Donald Trump. Okay, duh. But by how much and where? Take a look at the map. These are the results from 2016. And you're going to see a map that looks very similar to this. This was Ted Cruz, Donald, Ted Cruz won, Donald Trump, Marco Rubio. You're going to see a similar kind of result, though it'll be Trump at the top. You see all those red Trump counties? He's out there in the, in the, in the Missouri River Valley. He's out in uh, Council Bluffs. He's out in Sioux City. He's going to come in big there. And where will, so where you see uh, Marco Rubio, that's going to be Nikki Haley country. Those are educated, affluent, suburbanite, blah, 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 blah. And where you see Cruz, that's where you're going to see Ron DeSantis country, which is the in-between. So that's what you can look for on election night, as well as me Mm. being very cold. That's what you can look for on caucus night a week from today. Starwalt breaks it down. Chris, I have a question for you. So we talk about the weather, and we talk about how weather impacts turnout all of the time. Does weather, freezing weather, hurt or help Donald Trump? Oh, good question. So Trump has... The, the absolutely maniacal maniac MAGA core that they will, they will eat a Coke bottle to go support <laughs> Donald Trump. But he also has a lot of people who are not frequent voters. Right. So there's a high correlation between education and income and propensity for turnout, right? So when Trump's success in mobilizing a lot of blue-collar, working-class, non-college voters to come out for him in Iowa— 
help change Iowa politics. But they're also lower propensity voters than those those folks that you saw in that map that are going to turn out in Sioux City. They're going to they're going to turn out in Des Moines. They're going to turn out in the metro area. So whether can't I, I think the hardcore Iowa supporters for Trump will be there. But remember, he's got an expectations game that he's trying to play. Hogan, now former Trump press secretary, and you have won twice uh, in Iowa That's right. races there. What are you looking at? Listen, I know a guy. I know some people. And what I understand is from the Biden, uh, from, from the Biden, from the Trump team, from what I hear, they understand kind of the complexities of this situation and they have the votes. What they want to do is make sure that turnout is there. Right. Yeah. You talked about the weather. Those aren't wind chills. Those are sitting temperatures. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be much colder probably when that breeze gets going. What would make people go out and vote for something? America, Chris Starwald. That's what it is. That was the answer to your question. But I always love being in South Carolina because we go from Iowa to New Hampshire. And then when we land in Charleston, it's 75 degrees. All the reporters (laughs) looked at me and they're like, really? Why aren't we doing this all of the time? I'm like, exactly. Exactly. Real quick, you're confident for Trump, though, next week. I think so. But it is a numbers game. So basically, Trump's got to do basically uh, outright majority. He's got to get 50% or more of the vote for it to be commanding. Every point that he comes down below that into a plurality is not good. All right, coming up, sex, money, politicians, stunning new allegations in the new batch of Jeffrey Epstein documents. Uh, we'll, We'll talk about some of them. And does Washington need to crack down on Boeing? My goodness, another mishap for the airliner after the door plug rips off at 16,000 feet. Coming up, I'm going to speak with a father who lost his daughter in a Boeing air crash. What he is trying to do here in Washington and what he thinks about after watching these images. Stay with us. The Hill on News Nation. Back in a few. New documents involving the late sex offender Jeffrey Epstein now in public. The newest batch has stunning allegations involving former presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. Accuser Sarah Ransom alleges that sex tapes were made of her friend with Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, and the British business magnate Richard Branson. She also claims her friend had sexual relations with Trump on, quote, regular occasions at Epstein's New York home. However, back in 2019, The New Yorker reported that Ransom invented the concept of sex tapes in order to draw attention to Epstein's behavior. Joining us now, Law and Crime Network host, News Nation legal contributor, Jesse Weber. All right, Jesse, um, you know, the, the documents came out. I think people saw this and went, oh, my goodness. And then you go back to, to, to 2019. I wonder when you, when you saw this, sort of, what did you make of it? And, 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 and where do you go from here with, with all of this, given all the circumstances? Well, you have to understand, for me, I've been following this case for a while. So a lot of this is not okay. new to me. I knew who Sarah Ransom was. There were certain details of this I knew before. Some of these names were redacted. They're now being released now. But for the general public who hasn't been following the Epstein case, they see the flashy headlines. Oh, my goodness. Sex tapes. Now the sexual proclivities of Donald Trump. But when you really read the documents... And you read the email exchanges and you see this is somebody who said she invented these tapes and actually retracted her comments to the New York Post, who she was originally pitching these stories to. Like with most of these documents that are coming out in the last week or so, you have to understand the context of it. You have to take it with a grain of salt. I can't say this enough. This is not the Epstein list, right, of all the people who were involved in a sex ring. And this is clear proof. 
These are a series of documents that were in a defamation lawsuit between Ghislaine Maxwell and one of the Jeffrey Epstein accusers, uh, Virginia Giuffre. So everything you're seeing here, you have to understand what it's about. These were two sides that each side was saying the other one was a liar. So everything we're looking at, you have to be careful about. Yeah, uh, Scott Bolden here. I guess when I saw this information, it begs the question whether the feds had this information or have had it, uh, whether the, in the civil case, how much of this has been confirmed or not confirmed, because the, the civil case has been, been around a long time. You've been following the case a long time. Uh, has anybody corroborated any of these allegations or debunked them over time? In terms of Sarah Ransom, no, as far as I can tell. And we have to remember... One of the reasons the judge overseeing this, Loretta Preska, actually allowed the release of all these documents is because it was already in the public domain. We already knew yeah. about this. If somebody's uh, rights were about to be jeopardized or there was an ongoing criminal investigation, we would not be talking about this right now. So the yeah. fact that right. we're seeing this is, you know, it's illuminating. It's definitely crystallizing a lot of the context. But I don't know if it adds anything new to the overall conversation okay. about Jeffrey Epstein. All right, uh, Jesse, Donald Trump, tell me yep. what he did today and what's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, so now this is interesting, right? So he is trying to argue. <laughs> this one's interesting. This one, this one has real effects here in 2024. So this All one right. is about he is trying to argue in Georgia that the case should be thrown out. Now, I, I will tell you from, as a lawyer, a lot of these arguments I don't think make sense. You know, saying that double jeopardy because he was impeached, I don't believe it. The immunity argument, pay attention to this one, where he says that his actions as the president, uh, you know, um, shield him from liability, both in the Georgia case and the federal election interference case. You might say, Jesse, come on now. Not so fast. I don't believe that a president is immune from everything, right? But yeah, there is an argument that did he, was he in the, you know, the, taking official acts as the president. As the president, he oversees the DOJ, he oversees the Federal Election Commission, he oversees uh, Homeland Security. They all have a different role in elections. And you could make an argument, it's a colorable argument, but you can make an argument that if he was actually trying to secure the election, do all of these claims work? Should all of them stand, both in the Georgia case and in the federal case? I think there's something to be said here. We will see where so, it goes. But look, that's, the, that's I think, his strongest argument. I'm, cu I'm curious, Jesse, then, if, if you could represent the former president or be Jack Smith, Fonnie Willis, what, what case would you rather, who, who, what side would you rather be on? I've always said the federal election interference case. I thought the Georgia case was a bit redundant. I actually think that it was a little bit uh, tainted by political conflicts. So I would always say go with Jack Smith. Uh, I mean, look, uh, you know, I'm not in any part of these prosecutions. I think right, for him, right, right. No. the classified documents case, that's the one you really have to look out for more than any of them. I think that's the straightforward case. Okay. All right, Jesse, uh, Jesse Weber. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Good it. We'll be back soon. Thanks. Yep, you too. All right, meantime, President Biden today visited a historic black church in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, during his speech, the president took a jab at former President Trump and Nikki Haley over their recent comments about the Civil War. Well, let me be clear. For those who don't seem to know, slavery was the cause of the Civil War. There is no negotiation about that. All right. So he says there's no negotiation about that. The president referring to uh, Donald Trump when he was asked about it. And the former president said this. So many mistakes were made. See, there was something I think could have been negotiated, to be honest with you. I think you could have negotiated that. All the people died. So many people died. <laughs> that is... 
I had not heard that. You had heard that? That is that is fantastic. That is to, primo Trump. I would have negotiated our way out of if it, slavery. If it and wasn't out of the Civil so War. serious, it would be hilarious. Oh my god! Level of ignorance. Wow. Uh, you're going to negotiate the freedom from my ancestors, and what would that negotiation be? Okay, we'll keep half in slavery. We'll let half go. We'll give them 40 acres and a mule, and then we'll save the union that way. That's not negotiable. We're talking about human people, humans, who were treated as human chattel. Ron DeSantis today said Lincoln ha- did what he had to do when, when he was asked about it today. He did not come down on Donald Trump's side, Julia. <laughs> he, he did not. And Ron DeSantis is seeing, you know, sort of the cleanup Nikki Haley's had to right. do and, you know, some of the pushback Trump is getting. But, you know, just focusing on that Biden speech for a minute, not to get too off track here. One notable moment from that speech is when it was interrupted by hecklers calling for a ceasefire. Um, I think it's so symbolic of the difficult road Road that President Biden has ahead mm-hmm. within his own party, particularly with young progressives. Um, we're seeing it play out in the polls. This is what everyone's talking about from this speech. So it's, I, I mean, this is this war is going to be something that's going to make it difficult for unless the they resolve it. If you yes, I mean, you're right. The Democrats have a big tent. Uh, but this is a real issue with young voters. Yeah. In the recent polling, Trump is beating Biden with young voters yeah. by about 5 or 10%. And so one of the things we're going to talk about later is uh, Barack Obama. But the reality is... No, let's, let's get, talk about it now. He's, 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 okay. worried, he's worried about yeah. Donald. He's worried about the Biden operation and that Trump could actually win the thing in, in 24, Hogan. Well, well, polls say he can win it in yeah. 24. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's, the, yeah, that's well, a well, he ought possibility, to, clearly. He ought to be worried. And there was an argument that so many people on the right made, the DeSantis's of the world, that Nikki Haley said, this guy's unelectable. He's not going to win if you put him up. Now the polls show, no, he's still beating Joe Biden in a lot of these key states. The demographic shift, of course, with African-Americans, Hispanics, others kind of gravitate. <clears throat> young people going to Donald Trump. I understand why he's nervous. He should be. But in large part, again, it's the policies that matter here. And so much of what Joe Biden has done to the American people are now really kind of setting the stage for someone to come in and get, all right, you're paying $1.20 now for what you were paying a dollar four years ago. The southern border is open. Crime's up. The world's on fire. So someone needs to fix it. So when we hear hear Donald Trump say things like that, um, and I know you defended, or at least were asked about a lot of the things that he said at your time at the White House. Um, a you're gonna, a few. Um, <laughs> you point back to the policies. I, I, I wonder. I wonder what your response to, to Trump would be on this particular yeah. topic. Yeah. I looked at it and I was just thinking to myself because he does like to negotiate, right? Um, at the time, as I recall, Lincoln had to make a lot of deals to get a lot of votes. You, Is that right? Are you trying to tell? Are you trying to so, tell me that Donald so, Trump couldn't handle Kim Jong Un? But he w- was couldn't handle Kim Jong Un. Wants to negotiate but we, slavery. Exactly. We can't disarm. We can't disarm North Korea. But the Confederacy was just going to go away because Donald Trump talked didn't say, about it. Didn't say anything. I, know, I, know. I don't. I haven't talked to him about this, so it would be you know, far be it for me to try and, and spin this or, or talk about what he was but, saying. But those comments but, will stop independents and even moderate Republicans doing the general. From voting for Donald Worried Trump. Worried about that or no? Uh, no. So yeah. he can... Because it comes to the high. policies, they'll, they'll you be, think. They're, they're, yes. Ob- right, well, Obama okay. undermines we'll Biden see. at uh, Biden's peril. Uh, yes. And the f- divisions inside the Democratic Party and the sniping. And we heard it from David Axelrod before. And here's leaking from uh, Team <clears throat> Obama about what's wrong with Biden and all of this stuff. J- yeah, Joe Biden could certainly lose this election. And Democrats ought to act like it. 
uh, and they ought to stick together. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Absolutely. All right. Well, coming up, uh, another black eye for Boeing. Has Congress and the FAA gone too soft on that airline, one of the biggest uh, companies in this country? After a door blows off in the middle of a flight, you've undoubtedly seen this video. Coming up, we speak with the father who lost his child in, an, uh, in, a, in a past Boeing crash. And we will ask him what he wants Congress to do next. That's coming up here on The Hill on News Nation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. A wide-ranging investigation is underway tonight into the midair scare involving that Alaska Airlines Boeing 737 MAX 9. As you might know, it was forced to make an emergency landing after a door blew out mid-flight. Now, a different version of that plane, the MAX 8, crashed in 2018 and in 2019, killing almost 350 people. It led to a congressional investigation and the ouster of Boeing's CEO. Our next guest is the CEO of the Coalition for a Prosperous America and the father of Samia Rose Stumo. She lost her life in one of those crashes, and he has since dedicated his life to fighting for aviation safety. Michael Stumo joins us live. Michael, thank you for being here uh, on the Hill on News Nation as we look at pictures uh, of your daughter, Samia. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering, sir, when you saw what happened uh, with this plane, I, I wonder what you and your organization tries to do next as, as maybe you feel that, that this could just be deja vu all over again for, for Boeing. I, I thought something like this would happen. Again, Boeing has been cutting corners. They have not changed their safety culture. They're still pursuing Profits over safety, increased stock prices. I'm, it's a blessing no one died, but they've had a lot of airworthiness directives uh, by FAA showing unsafe conditions on the plane. They've requested a bunch of exemptions for their upcoming plane to be exempt from safety rules. And rather than the old Boeing pursuing engineering excellence, this Boeing still pursues profit in financial engineering. So I'm, I'm just glad no one died, but I'm very sorry very upsetting to see what happened. What, what, what's your push like here in Washington, Michael, as it relates to either the FAA, Congress, or both? Boeing's safety culture has not changed despite protestations to the, uh, to the opposite. Uh, board member, now CEO, David Calhoun lied to the public saying this board, after the Lion Air crash, that the board safety committee looked at this the, the problems with the Indonesian MAX 8 and everything's fine. Mullenberg, then CEO, lied, was later ousted. He lied several times, as the SEC fined him for doing. Mike Delaney, the chief safety officer now at Boeing, has been, uh, he oversaw the MAX development, and now he's the chief safety officer of all things of Boeing, lobbying against safety rules to make safety rules worse in Washington and Congress. Congress needs to do a comprehensive investigation. If you hear, see mere hearings, they're only for show. They need a full investigation. 
Maria Cantwell, the chair of the Senate Commerce Committee, and Ranking Member Cruz need a full investigative team on this. He's from Washington. He's from Texas. Um, And Sam Graves, the chair of the House Transportation Committee, along with Rick Larson, whose district contains more Boeing employees than any other in the nation, also need to investigate. NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, cannot be relied on as the exclusive source. Uh, They they freeze out all information. They're slow. we got to have Congress do it. We wouldn't have found out what happened before if we hadn't. You want to get the White House involved at all? Or do you, do you think they should, would be a better question? The White House should be asking for an investigation, too. The, they, they have jurisdiction of the FAA, but it's Congress that really needs this. They need investigative teams, people who know how to do it like before, and that's how it happened uh, before to really show that the test pilots at Boeing said uh, they're Jedi mind-tricking the FAA. They're like dogs watching TV. Uh, those types of the NTSB just clamp down on information and uh, they, they can't be trusted for this. You know, Michael, I, I was just given a statement from Boeing. Um, they say safety is our top priority and we deeply regret the impact this event has had on our customers and their passengers. I wonder what you would say to that. It's the first time they've ever said passengers. They've always talked about the aviation companies, and they never apologized to us directly until we shamed them. My wife, Nadia Miller, on shame, Dennis Mullenberg, into doing it in a Senate hearing. But um, they've got to not just pledge safety excellence. They have to do more than rearrange the deck chairs um, right. like they've done. Michael, we, uh, we appreciate the time. I could only imagine... Um, the difficulty for you to, to speak about this and to see something like this happen. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure talking about it, um, you know, I, I hope it brings you some comfort knowing that at least maybe there will be answers at some point down the line. Michael Stumo, um, we got to leave it there. But, but thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, of course. Uh, Elizabeth Vargas, uh, come on in. Elizabeth, good to see you. Um, Tough, obviously. Uh, you can only imagine what that father is, is yeah. going through and seeing this episode. Um, but there are lots of questions for, for Boeing and what Washington may or may not do about it. And, and really how they've handled this over the last few years. Well, Boeing has had, listen, the 737 MAX line has been plagued with serious, serious issues since its inception. We had those two crashes killing a total of 346 people, which led to the groundings of all the MAX 8s and MAX 9s. Uh, worldwide for nearly two years. And then last year we had issues. Or there was an alert that went out that there might be something wrong with the assembly. Check the planes. Now we've got this. Um, and we're already finding, United Airlines is reporting, you've already found several problems in their early inspections of the MAX 9s uh, with the same bolt system. So uh, there's been, right. this has just been plagued. There, there is a problem. There's been a lot of deep reporting and documentaries done on the culture at Boeing and yeah. that push for profits, as that father was just telling you, at the expense <clears throat> of safety. And this raises real questions. And you're right. And your last guest was right. It's going to be up to Congress uh, to take mm-hmm. some action to force some disclosure on what happened here. But the mere fact that this exact plane had three uh, failure, uh, you know, sort of depressurization yeah. alert failure warning signs go off 
and then they wouldn't let know, it fly over the water. Uh, yeah, but it still <laughs> got to fly down, you know, a it's few so hundred stupid. miles down over land. I, I know it's like it's it's wild that yeah. you know it, it can't fly over water, but it's good enough to put human beings on it in the air, fifteen thousand, thirty thousand feet. Listen, up just imagine if that had happened up at cruising altitude when people are yeah, up oh and about gosh. the cabins. Just imagine. Yeah. All right, Elizabeth, um, I got to run, but Elizabeth Vargas reports coming up uh, six minutes time, six o'clock Eastern. Vicki Ward, investigative journalist, talking about the latest in the Jeffrey Epstein documents that came out today. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you. Looking forward to your show coming up in six minutes time. We will be right back uh, here on the Hill on News Nation. Final thoughts from the panel on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Boy, oh boy, who you got tonight? Michigan, Washington. Two predictions. Okay. Michigan rolls big. They win Ooh, by at least two it. scores. Okay. And Harbaugh's out. Oh, mm, mm. Harbaugh goes I wouldn't to the want pros. That, but hashtag sports. Hashtag sports. Go blue. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Who you got? Harbaugh wins, and he goes to the Chicago Bears. It's okay. Um, because their colors are the most like the West Virginia University. <laughs> I will be. And also because I owe you a steak dinner for the go. last round. I'm going with, Michigan, with the Michiganians. <laughs> Let's go blue, baby. I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> Have a good night. I'll be here tomorrow in one form or another. I promise you that. Elizabeth Vargas Report starts right now. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to News Nation headquarters in New York. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. We have a lot to get to today, so let's get started. Tonight, the flying felon gets his wings clipped. The defendant who attacked a Las Vegas judge in this viral courtroom video comes face to face with the judge again, this time in shackles and a spit mask. And the mystery of the missing defense secretary. The latest details on defense secretary Lloyd Austin. Why did he delay disclosing his secret hospital stay? Now, President Joe Biden is standing by him, despite increased calls for his 